Hey folks, Stephen here. Happy Independence Week to our American and Canadian listeners, and happy summer to all our Northern Hemisphere listeners. Chances are good you're listening to me while driving to a vacation spot. Maybe you're taking a break between World Cup games. The gang itself is on a break this week. We'll be back next week with a look at the spectacular failure of electric car company Better Place. We're going to have the author of a new book on the company. It's going to be great. In the meantime, I've got a super fun episode for you. I think you're really going to enjoy this. It's our deep decarbonization draft that Shale Khan and I recorded for the interchange a little while ago. It's basically fantasy sports for energy nerds. We got a ton of reaction to it via email and Twitter, and we've since revised our picks on the interchange in the wake of this initial episode. So it's crazy hot outside right now. What better way to celebrate the dog days of summer than with a fantasy draft for decarbonization technologies. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to The Interchange anywhere you get your podcasts to hear more about the evolution of our draft picks and to hear an interview this week about the history of energy independence in America and where Trump's view of energy dominance fits into that historical perspective. Oh, one other thing. GTM has a wind and storage forum coming up on July 19th in Chicago. Batteries are going to get added to a lot of power plants, including wind. I know there are a ton of you out there in the wind industry in Chicago, so go check out this forum and learn about the economics and applications for wind plus storage. We are in a deal-making mood this summer. You can get half off your registration using the code PODCAST at checkout. What? Did he say half off? Yep. Go to greentechmedia.com slash events to get half off our Win Plus Storage event on July 19th. And without further ado, here is the Deep Decarbonization Draft. Enjoy. Hey, welcome everyone. This is The Interchange. I'm Green Tech Media Editor-in-Chief Stephen Lacey in Boston. I'm with my co-host Shale Khan, who's out in San Francisco. Shale is the Senior VP of Research and Strategy at Energy Impact Partners. Hello. Hey, Stephen. It's draft day. Are you nervous? I am pumped. <laughs> I am highly caffeinated. I am ready to go. I, I uh, actually just had like a reishi mushroom and a, an a, a acai berry shake with some coconut milk to get my my mental energy flowing, but I have the jitters. I'm like kind of nervous. That you should live in Berkeley. I, I have no idea what you <laughs> <just> said <laughs> that shake is, but you should be living here with me. I've got like 37 tabs open in front of me right now with different stats about energy intensity of agriculture and transportation and electricity. I'm like Glenn Beck on his famous chalkboard mapping out you know, some kind of theory. Oh, that's funny. I'm in a blank room meditating quietly in preparation. For the last week, Shale and I have been reading reports, racking our brains, and preparing for this moment. It has arrived. Our first ever deep decarbonization draft. Who's gonna win? Who's gonna fail? Will it be Steven or will it be Shale? One will be first, the other will be last in the deep decarbonization draft. Deep decarbonization draft. Deep decarbonization draft. Deep decarbonization draft. Deep Draft. 
That's really something. <laughs> so why don't you explain what the deep decarbonization draft actually is? All right. So the idea is this is modeled after a, a fantasy sports draft. So if any of you have done fantasy baseball or basketball or football or anything like that, or fantasy RuPaul's Drag Race, which my wife does, um, this <laughs> this the rules are generally the same. Uh, the idea is that we are each going to draft individual technologies. So the important thing is that every draft pick from either Steven or me has to be a technology. It can't be a policy. It can't be a market trend. Our goal, ultimately, is to draft a team of technologies that we would use to combat climate change. And specifically, the target is to reach the two degrees Celsius of, of global warming. So, so there are limitations here, right? Like picking technologies, all sorts of policy scenarios can happen. Are we going to assume like a best case policy scenario? I think we are going to assume whatever we think the most realistic policy scenario is, right? Yeah, so we fair. have no control over anything that lies outside of our picks. So what that means is that we we get this basket of technologies at the end of the day. We'll have nine rounds of this draft. So each of us will end up with nine technologies. Everything else, other technologies, other developments in the market, you assume sort of baseline. You don't get to count any of those other things towards your decarbonization. So if say neither of us picks solar power, we don't, neither of us gets to count, you know, any benefits from solar in terms of decarbonization, but we can assume that there is still some solar on the grid. So these nine technologies don't represent the entirety of all technologies in the world. And similarly with policy, you know, I don't think we can control anything outside of our nine picks, but we can assume that policy changes over time. All right. I feel pretty comfortable with these rules, even though you crafted most of them. But I'm on board here. Anything else that we need to be thinking about as we start revealing our picks? I think the time frame matters a little bit. So, you know, we know our goal is to try to get as close as possible to two degrees C. Let's just assume that this is a 2050 target. So the technologies that we pick have have their opportunity to contribute out to 2050. Um, and you know, we're each going to have nine technologies in our basket. There are obviously many, many more out there. So like I said before, we can assume those technologies do exist as they do today, but we don't get to count them. Do you have any strategy? Like I've been thinking about my strategy and I've got a few different approaches to this. I'm curious if you are willing to reveal how you're going to approach this. Do I have any strategy? That's a, <laughs> that's a cute question. Uh, no, man, I'm flying. I'm, I'm, I'm shooting from the hip. Bold, uh, bold. I, I know, I know, I know where I'm trying to end up here. I know my strategy for deep decarbonization and, you know, I got to adapt to, to what's in front of me in terms of what the picks are going to be. You have strategies mapped out, like, you know, your technology pathways by scenario. Well, along with like carbon outcomes, I've been thinking about other like ancillary impacts. So if I pick a certain technology, what kind of world is that pushing me into? And what are the potential benefits of that world? And so I think if I, I have a few kind of scenarios mapped out, both in terms of emission reductions, and like a, a theory of or like how how the world exists. And so I'm, I'm thinking about it's it's not as deep as it sounds, but like I'm I'm I, I have multi impact technology picks. Let's put it that way. I mean, that's yeah. You go ahead if you want, but that's outside the scope, man. I'm here for the carbon reduction. 
Oh, we should note one other thing, by the way, uh, on the rules about technology picks, which is that we are not by virtue of picking a technology guaranteeing its success. So if you want to pick a technology that's like in the lab right now, you are welcome to do so. But just by picking it doesn't mean that it's going to be successful and achieve its potential. You are just picking the possibility that it might. Okay, we got the ground rules in place. Coming up, we're going to make our picks. What will the lineup be? But first, let's talk about our sponsor, Mission Solar Energy. America's booming solar industry now employs over 260,000 people, and Mission Solar is one of those proud employers. The company has a 200-megawatt solar manufacturing facility in San Antonio, Texas, centrally located in the U.S., Mission Solar's Texas-based location makes it easier to fulfill the needs of domestic developers. It will keep your projects moving and on schedule. Mission Solar will introduce a higher output module in the U.S. market in Q3 and Q4 of 2018. Check out Mission Solar's best-in-class product line at missionsolar.com slash products. That's missionsolar.com slash products. Well, here we are. No other place to start but the old coin flip. All right, call it. Heads. It is tails, and that is that is the reality of what just happened. <laughs> okay, I believe <laughs> I you. I believe you. All right, so what's your pick then? All right, with the first pick in the 2018 deep decarbonization draft, I will take blockchain. I'm just kidding. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wow, okay, that was good. You faked me out. You thought I was really going to pick it. All right, first pick. I'm. I will. I will take centralized solar power. I will take centralized solar PV. Okay. What's the reasoning behind that pick? I mean, I just cannot possibly picture a deep decarbonization scenario that does not require like heavy deployment of large scale solar. Right. And when you look at cost reductions, like solar is going to play such an enormous role in uh, primary energy consumption through the middle of the century. I think you got to go with solar in some way. So then I guess that brings me to my second pick. And if you're going to take utility scale solar, I have to take rooftop solar PV off the table and bring it it on my team. So we've seen studies like 40% of total U.S. electricity generation could be met by rooftop solar PV. And I think that 40% is probably accurate or in the ballpark globally too. So, you know, you reduce transmission investments and point of use generation is really attractive. So I think if you're going to take utility scale, I got to take rooftop PV. I think you've already made a strategic mistake in this pick so early on. Oh, what do you mean? I feel like you haven't done enough fantasy drafts, right? Like you, you should have recognized it because I picked centralized solar. Like I don't really need another solar on my team. You know, I wasn't going to pick rooftop PV next. It was maybe it was on my list, but like it was further down there. I need a portfolio of technologies here. So you you took a pick I was not gunning for. Dude, you just gave me so much anxiety. <laughs> now now I'm sweating. My my reishi mushrooms and acai berries are like sweating out of my temples. <laughs> what the hell is a reishi mushroom? <laughs> um, it's for it's for mental prowess, man. Well, importantly, these drafts are as much a mental game as they are a strategic game. So on to round two. With my number two pick in the draft, I will take offshore wind. Okay, why? Well, uh, I want 
I want deep decarbonization of the electricity sector, obviously. That's clearly my early strategy here. But I also want resource profiles that are going to be as complementary as possible. Onshore wind would have been a good pick here too, fine. But um, but ultimately, I think if we're looking out to 2050, offshore wind has a, has a really good resource profile and complement to solar. And so I've already got centralized solar on my team. I want offshore wind. Well, this already changes my direction a little bit. So this is uh, me reacting in real time. My next pick is going to be advanced inverters and power electronics, like wide band gap semiconductors, like silicon carbide or gallium nitride, to produce better power electronics, uh, better EV drivetrains, better LEDs. These are much better semiconductors that can work well for high power applications and can be made much smaller and cheaper. And so I think if you're going with a more distributed route, you have to have a technology like this. Huh. Well, I mean, I I get why that would be an important pick for you to ultimately make, given that you picked rooftop PV first. But I also feel like you're picking it too early. I mean, I have to like add it to my team. I, I'm already kind of pushing into that world. And I feel like if I if I have rooftop solar PV and I don't have advanced power electronics, that rooftop solar PV is a lot dumber and less valuable. All right. Well, we'll see how this plays out for you. I think you're currently operating under the strategy of just like pick things I need for my team. I am operating under the strategy of picking things that I don't want you to pick. You have no idea. I didn't want you to pick this, but you don't know where I'm going. Come on. Don't pretend like you know my head. All right. I'm pretty sure that I know you're going to regret not picking my next pick, which is round three, pick one, lithium ion batteries. It's a good pick. I think lithium-ion batteries are so versatile. You can quibble about technology lock-in, but like that's a good pick. I mean, I feel like, look, it, you know, there are plenty of reasons why lithium-ion batteries aren't going to serve every purpose. You know, twenty years from now, thirty years from now, but they sure are going to serve a big purpose. I wish I had it on my team, but I'm not so worried because my next pick is small modular nuclear. Oh, I knew you were going to pick it. I just didn't know when. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So this is kind of like I'm moving into the decentralized world. And I think if you have um, a variable decentralized technology like solar, that's really great on rooftops and is again, a point of use technology, then small modular nuclear is my like industrial decentralized play. And I think for a lot of people, it could be controversial just because they don't like nuclear tends to raise controversial opinions. But a company like NuScale, for example, is developing like a play on um, on pressurized water reactors. And in theory, it's a technology that can scale from the megawatt level to the gigawatt level, and it can load follow with all that variable solar. So they're modeling out this particular small modular reactor as a way to play nicely with variable renewables. So I think I'm kind of moving into this decentralized world, but I got to make sure that I have some kind of nuclear technology there that can scale to an industrial level. Mm. Yeah, that makes some sense. I mean, I think you're, you know, you're now taking a bet on a technology that's not like at scale. You can have small modular re nuclear reactors. Uh, I, in my fourth pick in the draft, will happily take high voltage DC transmission. Well, you got to have that for your utility scale solar. Yeah. I mean, I've got centralized solar, offshore wind and lithium ion batteries. Like that's, I'm, I'm approaching a full solution to the electricity sector for at least, you know, deep decarbonization, if not complete decarbonization, but I need that transmission. So got to have it. 
Yeah, but you're locking yourself into wind and solar. I mean, you got batteries for sure, but like you have you've pushed yourself firmly in the the variable direction. Well, I pushed myself in the variable direction with batteries that can serve, you know, short-term needs to manage fluctuations in wind and solar. And now I've got high voltage DC transmission which, you know, depending on how aggressive you want to be with it, can solve my seasonal problems as well if we start creating a globe spanning high voltage DC grid, which actually is, I mean, obviously hard to do and and somewhat unlikely, but there are efforts to do that starting today. So out by 2050, either I get the global high voltage grid or I use the HVDC transmission, you know, within countries or within regions to do at least a better job of managing the renewables. Well, so far we've picked some pretty obvious technologies. Where are we at? Like how many do we have so far? Uh, I just made my fourth pick. You have three in your basket so far. I have three and I've got to go to four. And again, we've got nine picks. We're picking like a baseball team here. Yep. Well, since you've taken away the storage piece, I got to go with flow batteries, you know, something like a zinc, zinc bromide flow battery from Primus Power. I'm not picking companies here, let's remember, but I'm picking technologies. And I think just in general, the class of flow batteries for long duration storage is uh, attractive to me. So I got to make a storage play in some way in this world. And that's my choice. Yeah. You know what you're, I mean, sure. That makes sense. Your where your problem is, is that I got a lithium ion battery, which is also being used in electric vehicles. So I've got it. That's part of my transportation solution too. Your flow battery. I don't, I haven't seen any flow batteries in cars. Have you? <laughs> You've never seen the, the GM flow? The GM, that's actually a good name for a car. It's but. it's massive. <laughs> Coming out right after it's the like bolt, the it's like the, the version bolt, of the Pinto. Uh, yeah, you just you don't like want to like ram into it. It's just this giant tank of fluid on the back of your car. Okay, pick five. Here we go. Pick number five. All right, now we're getting into a realm where I'm I'm scanning to decide which one I want to do next. Um, I think with my next pick. I am going to take electrolysis. You know, that's a pick that was on my list too. And I'm curious how you're going to use it. Well, that, I mean, there's some optionality there. Like electrolysis has multiple possible use cases here, but an obvious one is going to be, I'm planning to build out a grid that has a crazy amount of solar and wind, and there is going to be excess generation a lot of the time. So we can use electrolysis to do power to gas and then uh, and we can create hydrogen from our excess cheap renewable electricity, which then in theory could be used in fuel cell vehicles if we want, though I haven't picked that, I guess, or can be used for other, you know, you can burn it for to generate electricity later. So it's an additional seasonal storage solution if I need it. It's funny, like your technology set is pushing you in a direction that I thought I might go in. So if I had offshore wind, I was going to pick power to gas. Like you kind of have to use that. So, so there's exploration in the European North Sea um, to, you know, try to use hundreds of gigawatts of offshore wind capacity for power to gas, and then feed into the existing gas system. And I think it's you know relatively unproven, but by the middle of the century, this could actually be a pretty big deal given how fast offshore wind is expanding. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for helping justify my pick for me. Well, I'm only justifying because that's something that I would have picked. Yeah. So we're kind right. of on well, the same on page your fifth here. Pick. This is where now I'm now more than half of my team is built. All right. You're- all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, so 
I think that with small modular reactors, which I'm I'm fairly bullish on through the middle of the century, like I believe that we'll have proven technologies, we'll have a regulatory process in place. This gets me back to my decentralized industrial strategy. So I have to pick plasma waste recycling. What the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, plasma waste recycling. So this might be controversial to some because some just see it as another form of incineration, but it's such a high temperature incineration that it creates usable gas products and slag for building products. So basically, you can use something like a small modular reactor to run a plasma waste recycling facility. You create a modular system for dealing with trash, and then you have a gas product that you can use in some way for energy. Um, it also deals with hazardous waste, too. So medical waste is a serious problem in this country and globally, and it allows you to kind of melt down hazardous waste and take that slag and turn it into concrete and turning it into building materials. And if you're not shipping that stuff, you know, so you then have like an industrial product to deal with. And if you're not shipping all this waste over somewhere and you're burning it, um, it, it, it on site, then, you know, you're not burning a bunch of bunker oil to get that trash somewhere around the world. So this is one of my technologies where I feel like it has many different impacts, both when, in terms of local uh, waste management and global emissions in other sectors. Well, all right. That's, uh, I certainly wasn't going to take that pick. I mean, waste management is great, but also like not a climate solution, right? This is part of your thing of like, you're trying to create your idyllic world overall. Yeah. How is it not a climate solution? Like if you, when you look at life cycle emissions, which I have not mapped out, there are a lot of shipping vessels out there that just ship trash. There's now so much trash in the ocean. Uh, like you're burning a lot of energy to ship that trash and you're creating a, a serious problem for the ocean ecosystem. So I think it's a more holistic pick because I think when you have a high density technology like small modular reactors, it allows you to do stuff like plasma waste recycling, which again is very high energy and not quite cost effective for most situations today. So I'm all about the holistic approach with this pick. And I do see it as a climate strategy because I think life cycle emissions you can drop across other sectors when you think about trash management. All right. That's all yours. I, uh, I did not have that on my list of 25 picks. All right. Pick number six. I'm debating between two right now. With my pick number six in the draft, I will take combined heat and power. Okay, okay. So so you're going to use all that power to gas for your combined heat and power projects. And importantly, I you know, I, I've got a lot of solutions for power here, and I need to start finding my solutions for, for heating uh, that are not exclusively electric heating. So- I need I need something and combined heat and power is a nice fit in with everything else that I've got. Okay, this is really hard because you know heating. You know I, I know I should be looking at the heating and cooling sector, but I would be a fool if I did not throw carbon capture and utilization in the mix. So for my sixth pick, I am picking CCS and U carbon capture, storage, and utilization, and I would use it for stuff like figuring out how to create new products for cement. Cement, I have realized, represents 5% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions, just cement production alone. 
and it could be 7%. And this is coming mostly from, you know, India and China, uh, which have, are just seeing skyrocketing demand for cement, for building stuff. Uh, it could eventually be as big a contributor to greenhouse gas emissions as all of Europe. So stripping CO2 from power plants and converting it into a feedstock for building materials like cement is really important for a low-carbon, deep decarbonization strategy, and it's got to be on my team. Yeah, yeah. I was going to pick CCS at some point too. Um, that's That's a pretty good pick. I think it's a safe pick. Wow, that's the first time you've praised me. I think it's your first good pick. <laughs> That's come on. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'm I'm less nervous. I'm feeling pretty good. I was just reviewing my picks here and like I'm I'm kind of happy with where I'm at. Um I'm happy for you that you're happy. Uh okay, fine. That CCS is a good pick. And yeah, and I like that you're doing CCS and utilization. I'll allow that as a pick. I'm torn here, but I think that my next pick is going to be the electric water heater Mm. electrify everything as so many people have said on gtm these days why do you want the electric water heater that's the right the the pillars of the simplest version of a deep decarbonization strategy are electrify everything and make electricity carbon free i'm 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 aiming i figured that's there are other strategies that are more nuanced than that but you know with what i've got that's what i'm going after Oh yeah, you're focused on you know your little pet projects and homes, your 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 electric water heaters. Well, I'm going into the agriculture sector, one of the biggest sources of greenhouse gas emissions, and I'm picking agriculture methane capture and flaring uh, using biogas digesters. This is a huge problem. It is one of the major causes of climate change is one of the major causes of methane, one of the most potent greenhouse gases. And I have to have uh, a technology that captures and flares methane from agricultural operations. Yep. That's another good one. I mean, my biggest problem that I'm facing with my strategy is that I don't have, I don't have any solutions yet for the, I don't have great solutions for the industrial sector, though arguably my electrolysis and my combined heat and power and my electric water heating will help there. But I also definitely don't have anything yet on the, the ag side. So that's, that's a fair one. Why, why are you so negligent? You're so focused on like these little itty bitty storage technologies and some, you know, (laughs) I'm sorry, you picked flow batteries and I picked lithium ion batteries. I picked picked long duration storage, (laughs) my friend. Well, first of all, let's define long duration storage. I define long duration storage as days to weeks to seasons, which is why I picked electrolysis. You have flow batteries, which is long relative to today's storage, but you're talking about what, 12 hours of storage. Mm -hmm. That's that's nothing in my deep decarbonized world. Plus, I can stack a bunch of lithium ion batteries and get that if I need to. They're going to be so cheap. Sure, sure. Okay, prove your worth. Let's hear your eighth pick. Down to the wire, my friend. Pick number eight, augmented reality. What? A huge portion of travel for which I don't have a great solution right now, apart from vehicles via lithium ion batteries, is business travel. And by 2050, I believe augmented reality has a shot at significantly reducing the amount of business travel. That is my solution for the transportation sector. (laughs) 
No way. I I remember like in 2006, 2007 when people came to our company with virtual conferences and you had these like little people on screens and you could go talk to them kind of like SimCity. It was bogus and no one, you know, no one followed that path. I think that meeting in person is still going to be a huge driver of business and augmented reality is just going to be a sideshow, man. I don't not agree with this pick. <laughs> I mean, look, I'll, I'll give you that it's a it's a bit of a flyer, but I'm looking for a solution for the for the transportation sector. And uh, and I feel like, you know, one of the re- I agree with you, it certainly hasn't taken off yet, but we haven't had aug- like good augmented reality yet. So, well, it's a bold pick. I respect it. I don't agree with it, but I will give you that. It's a bold pick. In the interest of going bold myself, I am picking the Impossible Burger. Oh, God damn it. That was my last pick. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Fake meat was my next pick. Oh, no. That was the one I figured I was going to pick last because you would never pick it. Well, I'll tell you what. Big companies are now starting to adopt the Impossible Burger, this amazing plant-based burger that tastes pretty much like meat. I mean, I, I think people overblow how much it takes tastes like meat, but man, this thing is damn good. And I eat them all the time. And, uh, you know, when you start getting big companies that are pushing this burger and you have top-notch chefs who are doing competitions around how to make the best impossible burger, we are seeing a cultural shift. And Consequently, we're hearing more people talk about plant-based diets, and I think this fits in nicely to a meat-based culture that's thinking about plant-based diets. And so I actually think it has pretty high potential to replace a lot of meat-eating around the world. So that's my one-two punch in the agricultural sector for cow belching and cow farting and manure management. I've got uh, methane capture and biogas digesters. And then for the consumer, I've got the Impossible Burger or fake meat in general. Yeah, I think we should make the pick fake meat. I'll, I'll allow you okay. the broader fake sure. meat pick because we're not picking specific companies or technologies. But Yeah, right, right. But man, I'm with you on that one. That was a good pick. Number nine, man. Now you're, ner- now you're nervous. I think I rattled you a little bit. I mean, you know, I still feel like my team is far better than yours, but I thought that was a clever pick that I was I was all ready to make next. So, all right, I'm down to my last pick now. I will take high-speed rail. Why not Hyperloop? Yeah, I know. I thought about the Hyperloop. I have, I don't know. I don't feel like the Hyperloop is a global solution to all these problems, but, I, but I'm trying to solve for both... High-speed rail is good because it gets me both a partial transportation solution and an urbanization solution, which urbanization being my backdoor route into lower energy intensity. All right. I've had a bunch of picks that are wild cards, but I think very good, important uh, cross-sectoral choices. But I'm going to go back to my first pick, which was Rooftop PV point solutions, elegant solutions using that greatest nuclear reactor we have in the sky. So I have to pick solar hot water as my final choice. I'm solving part of the heating challenge. It's an elegant solution. It utilizes existing rooftop infrastructure, and it's exploding all around the world. So in a lot of countries, uh, nobody's installing you know, electric water heaters. They're not installing tankless water heaters. They're installing installing solar hot water everywhere. And I think it's an existing technology that has been proven 
And again, it's it's elegant and cost competitive. So I think solar hot water deserves to be in that more distributed vision that I outlined first. You know, you say you have a distributed vision, but I'm looking at your team here. You've got carbon capture and sequestration. That's not exactly distributed. You got small modular nuclear, which like, I guess you can call that distributed. But as I understand that, that's not like, it's, when you say small, it's not that small. You got rooftop PV, but you're not, you're not, you know, this isn't like a deeply decentralized vision of the future, is it? No, but initially it was. So I, I picked rooftop solar PV and then advanced power electronics thinking, okay, this might get me to lithium ion batteries. It might get me to distributed energy resource management systems. And then that's a whole nother world. And I was preparing to move toward that world thinking that I might get there depending on your picks. But then I decided like, okay, I really need to pick these massive industrial choices because I can have the best of both worlds. I can have the point solutions that I think are the most cost competitive and elegant, and I can have the solutions that tackle some of the biggest emission sources around the world. So for me, it was just a a nod to my initial vision of, of a more distributed world. I think I've found a nice balance here. Like I'm really happy with my team. Well, this is okay. So we have our full teams. Here's what I think we should do. Um, first of all, I can read off each of our teams, but then I have a, a pie chart in front of me from the IPCC that is global greenhouse gas emissions, current global greenhouse gas emissions by sector. And I think we should see who who seems like they've got the better team to tackle each one of these sectors. Okay. Let me gloat for just a second. All right. I'm ready. Okay. All right. So here's the teams. Team Steven, rooftop solar PV. Advanced power electronics, small modular nuclear reactors, flow batteries, plasma waste recycling, carbon capture, sequestration, and utilization, biogas digesters, fake meat, and solar hot water. How are you feeling? That's that. That's it. That's your that's your basket of technologies you get to go decarbonize the world with. I feel pretty good. I'm ready to decarbonize, son. <laughs> I don't know, man. All right. Well, we'll we'll look at the sectors in a second. Listen, listen to this team though. Listen to this, this golden state warriors of decarbonization technologies on my team, centralized solar PV, offshore wind, lithium ion batteries, high voltage DC transmission, electrolysis, combined heat and power, electric water heating, augmented reality, and high speed rail. I feel really good about this team. You're really going for the electric world, huh? Yeah, man. Electrify everything and decarbonize electricity. That's the that's the simplest heuristic. I don't know what the hell you're going for. You're like funny, cool new technologies and some, you know, semi-distributed future, plasma waste recycling. Uh, there's no there's no vision behind this. Yes, there is. It's multi-sectoral finding the hidden emissions that people don't often think about. You're still stuck in this electrification world where electrify everything's going to solve every problem. I'm like, let's go to the hardest sectors in the world and deploy solutions there. So I believe in part of your vision. Of course, I believe that electrify everything is central to decarbonization, but there's all these other sectors that nobody focuses on and I'm squarely in those. Well, all right, let's look at the let's look at the actual sources of emissions today and and then we can see 
whose strategy makes more sense. So on the pie chart, I'll go from largest source of emissions to smallest. So the, the single largest source of emissions with 25% of global greenhouse gas emissions today is electricity and heat production. So there I feel like I'm, I think I've got the edge on that one. Do you disagree with me? I feel like I have a pretty holistic solution here to the electricity sector and to heat by virtue of electrifying heat mostly. I don't know, man. My small modular reactors have a lot of potential here to electrify everything. Like, All right. You were putting a lot of eggs in that small modular reactor basket. I'm Ener- just, energy uh, okay, Twitter so, is going to have some strong opinions about that pick. Oh, I hope they do. I hope they do. But think about it. I've got rooftop PV, too. I've got a point source solution. You're you're worried about building out these large-scale transmission lines. You know, you've got to build out these deep offshore wind projects you've got you're relying on just a variable source of renewable energy i've got the best of both worlds and i feel like i can decarbonize um in a way that is more beneficial to the industrial sector and for people individuals i got the best of both worlds sorry buddy Hmm. all right well i was gonna i was gonna take my win on the electricity and heat production sector and then i was gonna give you the edge on the next largest source of emissions, which is agriculture, forestry, and other land use. The o- so you've got, you're the only one who actually made picks specific to that sector. You've got bio di- biogas digesters and fake meat. Um, I would argue my, my high-speed rail is going to help there a bit in that urbanization will reduce land use and deforestation. So I've got a I've got something there, but but I'll give you that you've got a more direct line of sight to emissions reductions in that sector. Okay. Well, I'm being combative on purpose. I do think you have technologies that are going to scale faster in the electricity sector. So H- HVDC lines, lithium-ion batteries, large-scale solar and, lar- and offshore wind, all are ready today, and small modular reactors are not. I do believe that by... You know, in the next couple of decades, they'll be ready to to deploy. But you could far surpass that deployment over the next decade or decade and a half with those technologies that are ready today. So in the interest of being diplomatic and because you gave me agriculture, I will give you electricity. I think that's fair. Thank you. I, I appreciate your, your willingness to concede that one. Uh, next up at 21% of global greenhouse gas emissions is industry. And that one's sort of interesting. I don't think either of us actually have a complete solution for industry here. Well, let me argue my solution for industry. So when I talk about solar hot water, I was initially just referencing, you know, multifamily housing and and residences, single family housing. But solar for like process steam for industrial operations has a lot of potential. Um, You know, solar on commercial buildings, solar hot water on commercial buildings has a lot of potential. And so I think it's an industrial solution as much as it is a residential solution. Carbon capture and utilization, I referenced cement production. I think that's squarely an industrial um, and perhaps steel solution as well, although I'm sort of less informed on how you could apply it to steel production. But I think you can use... um, CO2 
for a lot of building materials, both to capture point source emissions in the electric sector and then to use it for materials or to capture emissions from industrial operations and use it for building materials. So I feel like I have a pretty decent solution there. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll give you that, that there's, there's something to that. I think my solution in that sector revolves more around just electrifying as much of it as possible. And then I've got solutions for everything else. Um, but I don't, I don't have anything specific to, for example, like you said, cement production. I mean, iron and steel production is what we're both sort of missing here and is a contributor to, to greenhouse gas emissions from the industrial sector. And neither of us have have a per- perfect solution there, except that I would I would like to electrify them as much as I can. But I'll give you, I think I'll give you the edge on on industrial, at least for now, though I think neither of us did a great job there. All right. Yeah, very incomplete. Yeah. Okay. So next up, at 14% of global greenhouse gas emissions currently is transportation. I will make my case that I've got a I've got a strong advantage here in transportation because now I have I have the lithium ion battery, which is going to be the single largest contributor to the reduction in transportation oriented emissions that I can foresee. And I also have high speed rail, which is should solve for for another good chunk of it. So between those two, I think transportation, that's a clear win for me. Very clear win. No argument here. I'm actually kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't pick a transportation option. I was thinking standard electric vehicles. I was also thinking electric bus fleets, which I would separate into two categories. And then I also had on my list way down electric vehicle chargers because I saw it as a demand management system, as a resource in and of itself. So when you think about the, I I wasn't sure, and we could have argued about this, whether electric vehicles on their own um, is a pick or whether they automatically come with chargers. But chargers are like a separate resource that seemed pretty valuable to me. So I do regret not considering any of those in my team. Yeah, I had I had the basically the same thing. I had like a couple of different classes of electric vehicles and wasn't sure if those would be reasonable picks. I think the EV charger idea is a good one. I didn't have that on mine, but that's actually a that would have been a strong pick as well. Um oh, and I also have augmented reality. How could I forget my best pick? <laughs> well, we've reflected on our own choices. I think there are things we would have done differently and maybe Someday we'll have some trades to beef up our lineup. But now it's time for you to react. We want to hear what you think about our picks. And most importantly, we want you to pick a winner because that's how these things work. We need someone to win. And we're going to have a poll for you in the show notes. There's a link in the show notes. So just open up your phone and click through and you will be able to access the little survey, the little poll there at Green Tech Media. If you're listening on the website right now, on your web browser or whatever, the, the poll is just right there. And then for the Twitterati, the energy Twitter folks, we're going to have a separate poll set up for you. And p- please feel free to give us your feedback. Comment on the poll too, but definitely take it and let us know who you think won and who has the best deep decarbonization draft. You know what I wonder is you, your um, your picks are like designed to get energy Twitter all a flutter. Like you've got the like rooftop PV versus small modular nuclear like early in your picks. You've got CCS in there 
which is like, you know, constant battle on energy. Like you're, you're, you're designed for energy Twitter, but I don't know whether they're going to love it or they're going to hate it. Well, you know me too well. I'm a journalist and an editor. I know how to get people's attention. And I'm more interested in the reactions, I think. I want to hear if people battle it out or if they agree with the diverse selection. But you, you, uh, you're onto something. Yeah, I mean, you picked for energy Twitter, and I picked for decarbonization. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. We're going to revisit this soon. Please go ahead and vote. If you have feedback, send us an email to podcast at greentechmedia.com. Send us a voice memo of things that you want to talk about. We're going to take more and more listener questions. It's a great way for us to explore new topics that are directly relevant to you. Hit us up on Twitter and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Shale, uh, you know, bask in those picks. Feel good about yourself. That is until people vote for me. Mm, you too, Stephen. Enjoy your, enjoy your happiness while you can retain it. I will indeed. With Shale Khan, I'm Stephen Lacey. This is The Interchange, conversations about the future of energy from Green Tech Media. We'll catch you next time. 